Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Today, my guest is Joe Johnson. Joe owns four franchise locations, but what's most interesting is that of those four, three of them are different brands, all within the auto industry. Upon first hearing that, you may think it's a bad idea, but what Joe's done is actually built a beautiful business portfolio full of synergies and even some of what I call unfair advantages. Joe's different franchises consist of two auto body shops, one maintenance shop, and one auto parts supplier too. So he's horizontally and vertically integrated his businesses. I hope you enjoy our conversation where Joe explains how they all interact with one another. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by The Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Want to sit back and earn passive income each month? You can actually do this through Franchairs. Invest anywhere from $500 to $500,000 and let the team at Franchairs build, manage, and grow your franchise portfolio. You'll receive a check each month, plus a lump sum when the portfolio sells. Go check them out today and add your name to the waitlist at Franchairs.com. I think a good starting point would just be you know, I know 2005 is kind of a turning point for you. So, so what were you doing prior to that year before you got into franchises? So in 2005, I was retiring from the Army. I served 23 years in the U.S. Army, retired as a full bird colonel. And I was trying to find something to do. I'm not really good at golf. I'm not really good at fishing. And I can't <laughs> stay home with my wife. So I had to find something to do. Was franchises the first thought or, or what was kind of your exploration process like? Well, my family had a business, a manufacturing business. Uh, everything in manufacturing was going overseas back in 05. And that was why I was getting out of the military, the traveling and wanting to be at home. Uh, okay. just, my wife and I had just gotten, she had gotten pregnant and I got the ultimatum, be at home. So I was looking at things to do. The manufacturing didn't really appeal. I tried that for a little while and I started looking around and a friend of mine I went to Walford College with had a Mako collision repair and auto painting in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So I went and visited with him and saw what he was doing. I've got a, an affection for cars. Obviously, all men have, well, most men have affection for cars. <laughs> so I started after the uh, car business, aut- automotive aftermarket, and saw that Mako was a great opportunity. Franchising did appeal to me because it was already set up and ready to run. So that was a, a great thing in my thoughts. Definitely, definitely. And so for folks who maybe aren't super familiar with Mako, What's kind of the background on exactly uh, what service you're providing to a consumer? So Mako Collision Repair and Auto Painting, Collision Shops. Tony Martino started Mako in 1972, which is our 50th year anniversary this year, interestingly enough. Yep. Good stuff. And it has evolved into America's body shop. And it's a great opportunity for automotive aftermarket. Amazing. So was that kind of it? You know, you had your friend who, who already had one and uh, you didn't look at other franchises or is that you just said, you know what, this works? I, I did dig around some other franchises. Uh, Mako back then had the best support, training and operations program 
at that point that I had seen. I did look at some other franchises, some other industries like food service, some other things just didn't appeal to me. Gotcha. Okay. Now that, that makes sense. I mean, it's especially right. Auto industry, pretty steady, you know, uh, it, regardless of the economic climate. So I know that's a big attraction for a lot of franchisees. Well, in 2005 automotive aftermarket, there's, it was wide open and no end in sight. I will argue with you that a lot of folks are already preaching the death of the automobile, uh, or the gas-powered automobile. Yes. And I think they are so far out in left field that this thing is going to go on for a long time. We've been exposed to electric vehicles quite a bit with Mako and Meineke and some training, but it's just not there yet. Technology's not there. The infrastructure's not there. The support's not there. Yeah, no. I mean, there's a whole suite of services that go w- with the car, uh, right? It's not just about what kind of car you drive. You need all, all the aftermarket and, and just services that, that go with that. So uh, I could see why that would take a while to build up. Back in 2010, I sat on a panel in New York. The uh, Mako guys sent me up to a uh, panel about electric vehicles. And a lot of younger guys were on the panel discussing about the death of the gas-powered automobile and smart cars were coming and we'd be out of business in three to five years. And I oh, sat wow. quietly on the panel until they finally asked me my thoughts. And I said, this is all great stuff, guys, if you're in New York City or L.A., but if you're in South Carolina or North Carolina or the Midwest somewhere, the redneck in the pickup truck like me is going to hit you in your smart car. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, definitely, man. Yeah. I mean, there, there's different markets around the country, right, that just uh, a lot of people will, will form opinions on – the future, but just based on their immediate surroundings. And uh, it's tough, right? I mean, you can't really predict what's going to happen. So you've mentioned that, you know, you own a Meineke and and we'll kind of get to your full portfolio of businesses, but let's just, you know, back in 2005, did you start with one Mako multiple and and how that first acquisition or new build come to be? So, 05, uh, I built the Mako here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. There, there had been a franchisee prior to me who tried to do a Mako, and he failed and never even built the building. So, we started from the ground up with a new building Okay. and came out of the box. After the training, we were breaking even the first month. Very wow. unusual, very unusual, but uh, very fortunate. A lot of hard work, but the uh, pent-up demand in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina was there. A lot of folks didn't think it would be, including Tony Martino. He laughed and said, we'd go bankrupt. And I set out my way to prove him wrong. All right. So you started with one. And how did you approach financing uh, the franchise? That's a, that's a big kind of question mark for a lot of people is do they use all their cash if they have it? Yeah, I hear from a lot of potential franchisees every day. There are a lot of options out there. Uh, Mako at that point was trying to push the SBA loans. That's a great program for some folks. I did conventional financing. I had some money put away from you know my time in the military and stuff. I bought the property and then I financed conventionally the building we constructed. Great. Okay. All right. So, so you're saying too, then you own the real estate that the Mako sits on. I own all my real estate, all four sites. Beautiful. That's an advantage in, in and of itself. Huge. The, the, the franchises will come and go. I mean, the franchisor will sell somebody a franchise next door to you if you're not careful, but they can't replace the dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love that. All right, so so you get that first Mako, it obviously gets off to a hot start. And what was the kind of progression like to location number two? So Mako was uh, acquired by another holding private equity group. It had Meineke in their portfolio already. Uh, back then, I think it was the Carousel Group was the, uh, the, the private equity group that bought them out. 
Okay. And Mako and Monarchy are sitting here together. There was a Monarchy here in Myrtle Beach that was going bankrupt. And I got a call from Franchise Sales, and don't you want to do a Monarchy? And I didn't think I want to do a Monarchy, but I saw the synergy involved because I send a lot of cars out of Mako to have mechanical repairs done. So the synergy's there. Uh, went and studied real hard on why the franchisee was failing. And it was very easily seen that he was just a poor franchisee. So we bought that building and that franchise and started with one Monarchy. And then two years later, built a brand new one on the other side of town. And now we have two Monarchies. So I guess when you're when you're analyzing that underperforming franchisee in Monarchy, what are you seeing that says, okay, this is just an operator who's not doing things right versus my question would have been, is this a market problem? Like, is there something in Myrtle Beach that just we can't support this location? Well, you're exactly right. Is it a market market issue or is it a, a franchisee operator issue? This one was clearly a franchisee operator issue. The market here in Myrtle Beach is growing. I'm sure everybody knows what Myrtle Beach, if you read the papers and believe them, we're the like, second fastest growing area in the country right now. Yeah, a lot yeah. of folks moving down from the, north, from the Northeast, and that's been going on the whole time. When I was a small kid, you know, we come to Myrtle Beach for vacations. There was nothing here, and now it's 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 a huge place and continues to grow. But I did a lot of research to make sure this was a viable location, and it was just a, it was just the owner issue. And so you you, you go from one Mako to that Meineke, and you said you built another Meineke on the other side of town as well. Yep. Two years later, I have one more license for another Meineke for another location. Probably going to hold off a little longer with the way the uh, employee environment is right now. It is hard. Labor is hard. I'm sure everybody has the same issue. Labor and parts are an issue right now. Okay. So the supply chain, which is making major headlines in every industry, that's assuredly impacting you as well. Exactly. And what was the exact timeline, if you can recall, kind of where, so 2005's Mako number one, and then what years are the two Meineke's in? We're on what year ten right now, so 2012. Okay. We did the uh, the two Monikies. 2010, the first Monikie, and 2012, the second Monikie. Yes. When you bought into Mako, was your thought to always build a synergy to cover kind of the different areas? No, that that, that kind of fell in my lap because of the private equity group buying out and having the Mako Monikie, and now Driven Brands owns Mako Monikie, and they have a whole portfolio of other other uh, franchises one of which I just purchased another one, an 800 radiator. I bought that four years ago. And the idea there was a synergy to supply myself parts. Uh, 800 radiator does AC, condensers, fuel pumps, exhaust, uh, expanding lines all the time. So that's supplying the parts to your Meineke locations. Meineke and the Mako. And the Mako. You know, I Beautiful. hope to expand the lines more and, and do more supply. But, you know, the other side of the coin is I'm supplying my competitors, which is interesting. But oh, yeah, wow. anybody understands them, I do. And it's actually a great thing because I, I actually get what they're looking for. Interesting. Okay. And are those big name brands more and more local, just Myrtle Beach? Well, you we, know, uh, we supply everything. I supply the Firestones, the, the regional guys, the Goodyears. Uh, there's a lot of regional change in small mom and pops. Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of customers. And some of the co- folks don't get the joke and resist because it's me. But when they look at the prices and my delivery and I win them over every time. Amazing. All right. So I want to kind of dive into that because I think it's, I I love this strategy and I I hear you that maybe part of it fell into your lap, but the way it stands today is right. You can service folks who need 
a paint job, any repair after an auto collision. You're doing everything under the hood through Meineke, right? Oil, tires, brakes, things like that. And then you're also selling the parts through 1-800-RADIATOR to both those businesses. So you kind of are vertically integrated in the car industry. And I guess just right off the bat, I mean, aside from, I would imagine, more bottom line profit for you, but like as an operator, what kind of advantages have you gotten from that that you didn't have when you just owned one Mako? I can control my my destiny now. I'm not at the, the whim of a uh, outsider doing some things for me. I'm not at the whim of the parts supply house. I'm not at the whim of the mechanical shop if I need to get a front-end alignment done on a front-end collision at Mako. And on the other side of the house, cars come into Meineke every day that need body work. We've done a real good job of, of integrating and convincing folks to go to Mako to get body work done. It, it works both ways. I love it. So you're saying you're cross-selling between your, your brands, essentially. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, that, that's like, to me, right, um, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, where I'm pretty active, obsess over what they call the lifetime value of a customer and that customer acquisition cost. And when, when you vertically, or I guess this is more of a horizontal integration, you know, when you have all these different services, your customer acquisition cost is just lower and you're increasing the lifetime value because once you get them into Meineke, theoretically, you can get them over to Mako uh, if they need services there. And then the parts that, that the Mako or the Meineke are using for that customer is also your profit. So it's a super interesting model. And Mako and Meineke Driven Brands has done a good job with a uh, credit card system for 0% financing with both the names on the card and trying to cross folks over from both brands. It's been very successful. What do you mean by that? That's for you guys offering financing for jobs? Correct. Correct. Oh, interesting. So it's the same program that you can offer at a Meineke and a Mako. Correct. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a huge value add. And do you see, are your competitors able to offer that or no? Because they're more standalone service lines. Well, they're, they're, everybody's got the 0% financing, but they're all standalone. And, you know, ours are co-branded. And when you start doing the branding, you know, there, there are some franchisees in the Mako house and Monarchy house that resist and don't get it, but they're missing the point. It's what you just said. If I can acquire the customer and keep them in both brands, it's so much cheaper and better. What do Shaq, Venus Williams, and Drew Brees have in common aside from sports? They've all made millions from investing in franchises. And now, that opportunity is available to anyone. With Franchairs, you can invest anywhere from $500 to $500,000 to earn passive income from franchises. They'll carefully build, manage, and grow your franchise portfolio. So all you have to do is sit back and receive your check each month plus a lump sum when the portfolio sells. The waitlist is growing fast, so don't miss out. Join thousands of other investors and start passively investing in franchises at Franchairs.com. I'm curious too, so from um, a hiring perspective, do you kind of brand your whole operations as sort of a, a house of car brands, meaning you just kind of use all three companies as a magnet for labor and then depending on the interest of the applicant, you can push them to whichever business works? It's an opportunity, yes. Uh, I've been successful in moving some folks around in management especially, but you know, techs are individually specialized. But it does give me more opportunity to move folks around and promote from within and give them more opportunity, yes. I've got a gentleman that's uh, been with me for 
better part of 14 years who's moved up from the, the lowest of my ranks to a manager of one of my stores. And he'll be my next general manager if the other general manager decides to quit or if I expand more. Yeah. And I guess just on hiring then. So do you make that point to new hires that this is a broader system? It's not just one Meineke or one Mako, right? That there's uh, you know four businesses today and that they have that upward mobility if they perform? Yes. And, and that, that does entice some, but this labor market is just, it's such a struggle. It's impossible at times, but uh, we just got through a little spurt of hiring folks. I'm hoping that things are going to get better here in the next few months. Uh, with the price of gas, I don't think these folks can live at home on three or $400 bucks a week. They're going to have to go back to work. And as they go back to work, we'll all be a little better off, I hope. Yeah, I think it's telling too, right, that you have four businesses, which in theory would make it easier than just someone who owns one, right, that you can leverage that scale to uh, attract more labor. But e- even if you're having problems, then y- you know it's tough out there. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. So you own the real estate uh, on each location. Would you have gone through with these franchises without that ability? You know, Would you hold off on building until you could find a spot, you know, for, for your locations that you were definitely able to purchase and own the real estate on? Everybody's situation is different. I, I encourage folks and I get a lot of calls from potential franchisees and franchises that are flipping every day, existing franchises. Owning the real estate is your, is your true value in this system. But there are guys who just can't swing it and can't get financed. But uh, I would at least say if you if you can't buy the property, do a lease with an option to purchase. For goodness sake, that's your real value. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's certainly market dependent. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, knowing from, uh, I, I am based in the Northeast and real estate's incredibly expensive in certain markets. So um, it's tough to find even a landlord, even if you could afford it, right? A landlord that's going to be willing to give it up. Well, if the space is available, I know guys in New York, that there's no space available. You have to buy an existing structure, right? Yeah. Want, they, they won't zone a new piece of property to build a building on. Exactly. Correct. But I mean, obviously, that's the dream, what you said, right? Owning the dirt and uh, then owning the business on top of that. Um, it, it's a killer combination. And one of your locations too, right? You, you have a car wash on as well. Is that correct? A car wash on one of them, yes. Is it, That's the, the Mako or the Meineke? One of the Meinekees has a car wash on it, yes. Okay. So, all right. So, in reality, that's, that's five businesses if we're going to throw that in. Not franchised, of course. But I am curious. So, how, how do you... You know, what pros and cons, I suppose, to to what you can do with the car wash where you are the top dog, right? You're the boss there. There's no franchisor who can tell you what to do. Is there, if any, pros and cons to that that you now think, hey, like this is a this is better. Um, I, I prefer this operating structure where I don't have a franchisor. Well, the only part of that you discussed, I mean, being the boss, you know, we're the boss at our franchise as well. We have a franchise already to work with, but I would like to say we work with them. And at times they think they're our boss, yes. But uh, the only thing, the only real benefit I see is not paying the franchise fee. But by the same token, that car wash is an independent name. The franchises carry the Mako name or the Monarchy name that will bring you business as well. So it, it, it's, it's, there's pros and cons. Yes, the, uh, the fees are the biggest pro. That makes sense. Yeah. So I guess, because I know, so Driven Brands, the holding company for Mako, Meineke, and, and the other brands you own, they do have a car wash brand. 
What was kind of your thought process where you've had a good experience with these other brands that that Driven owns? I would imagine they've inquired, hey, do you want to turn this into, you know, our Driven Brands car wash as well? You know, what was your thought process there? They're already talking about that. And that's interesting. (laughs) Uh, You know, there there are some other benefits with the franchise system, Uh, purchasing materials, products. You can save some money there too. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, we used to say it on the Mako side, I saved so much money on paint cost, it paid for my franchise fees. Not so wow. much these days. But uh, if they can offer something like that, some buying power, some benefits like that, there you go. I, that's that's why I would jump in. I don't see that happening with the current hierarchy, though. To be honest with you. And, and I think an important distinction too for the car wash, right, is you acquired an existing one, correct? Right. Right. Yeah. So I do have a question about the brand of, of like the brand power of car wash from knowing what you know of operating a business, like a Mako versus a car wash where, because there are, and I've gotten this question a few times, people interested in car wash franchises. To me, it feels a bit like a commodity service, right? Like there's no huge opportunity. And I could be wrong to like innovate with technology and is no major customer service play. I mean, do you feel that brand has a big role to play for a car wash? I, I see it has a big, a big role to play just because the Mako name, everyone knows the Mako name. A lot of folks, we just discussed earlier about folks moving to Myrtle Beach from up north. They know the Mako name and the Monarchy name. So that brings brand loyalty as well. So if you've got two car washes sitting side by side, one's a brand name, one's a mom and pop operation. I would imagine the brand name would, would garner a lot more business yeah okay fair enough now i mean you know i i suppose you're right right just at scale if people are familiar with something they're they're probably going to gravitate towards that and also we have a lot of tourists in my area so the tourists and they're going to leave town they want to use a brand name uh, not much much the car wash but with the other brands we're talking about because they can get the warranty to transfer home with them too wherever they go back home to oh true okay Uh, yeah no that's that's a huge benefit just to have that maneuverability on the business. So, I mean, you're at four or including the car wash, five businesses, but you know, do you have plans to expand further in Myrtle beach with other businesses in the auto space or, or, you know, kind of what's your expansion plan at this point? Yeah. Automotive aftermarket's huge and it's, it's not going anywhere for the next 30 years, much to the chagrin of some other folks thinking that (laughs) their cars will take over. But yeah, I'd like to see some more expansion, but like I said to you earlier, when this labor market gets Worked out a little better. Supply chain is working a little better. Yeah, it's time to advance. You know, right now, if I wanted to build a new building, I don't know if I get a new building out of the ground with the supply chain issues. I've got several friends that are trying to get buildings finished for other businesses that are sitting there waiting on glass windows, waiting on doors. Wow. I got a friend who's waiting on a paint booth right now. So everything is challenged. So I don't, I don't know that I want to take that on. If you got a building halfway out of the ground, and you're paying interest on the, the note. If you had to borrow money, you'd be in trouble right now. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I mean, th- thinking back to, to what you know now, you know, from when you started back in 2005, if someone's thinking about franchising, do you recommend kind of the multiple businesses, right, in the same industry play, like building up a, a synergistic portfolio? I'd like to think I've been successful with it. Uh, I know a lot of guys, and, and we're seeing more and more multi-brands in the different brands family right now. I've got several friends have approached me and, and spent some time, and they're doing Mako and Monarchy plays. 
I don't think anybody's doing a three play like I am yet, but there are some guys looking hard at it as well. It's a good idea, and it also gives you some some reliability with the dips in the market. Uh, Mako's a great example. When the economy's doing well, people are buying new cars, they're giving their second cars to their, their kids to go to college with or whatever. Used car market's alive and well. When the economy's bad and you can't get a new car like right now, everyone's fixing up the old cars, so we're good to go. Same thing with Meineke. We're seeing a lot of older cars, but the, the synergy of me supplying my own parts in a parts warehouse is huge. Yeah, no, definitely. The biggest takeaway for me is the fact that you can control your own destiny with with a customer and uh, it just gives you a lot more options, you know, right? If you have, like, is this scenario accurate where you have someone for an auto collision repair, they need some parts under the hood fixed and maybe it's a time sensitive thing for the customer that you can kind of push them to the front of the line at, at your Meineke? Oh, yeah. And we we uh, we sell a lot of brake jobs out of Mako. People come in, their brakes are squealing. It's hilarious. And you're like, you need your brakes fixed. You know, your your pads are gone. I get it done while the car's here at the same time, and we'll just move the car over to Monarchy, get the work done, get it back here, get the work finished at Mako. One bill, they're out the door, and they're happy. Yeah, I mean, I love that because as a franchise owner, it's a huge win for you that you get to do that, and right for the customer at the end of the day too, it's a better experience. So. To me, that's that's just uh, it's good business in reality. And all right, so r- wrapping up here, Joe, if someone's just getting into franchising, they're starting to look at different franchises, given that you've been operating for, we're getting close to 20 years here, multiple uh, franchises, just what's your best piece of advice when they're trying to figure out what brand's right for them in their market? Do your homework. Uh, you were talking about earlier, the, the research in the marketplace, the research and the the service, if you're doing a service industry, go spend some time with a current franchisee or two or three. I always encourage people to call me, go spend some time. If you can't get to my store, get to somebody's store, spend a week and make sure it's actually something you want to do. I can't tell you the number of people I've seen get into these franchises and then two weeks, two months, two years later, realize this is not for me and they lose everything or they sell and lose money or whatever it is, just go do the homework and make sure it's an industry you want to work in. This isn't for everyone, obviously. Uh, What I do is not for everyone. Some weeks I spend 20 hours a week. Some weeks I spend 50 hours a week doing this. It's a challenge sometimes. But the research is the biggest thing. And go see some good franchisees. The the franchisor is going to give you those names. And then go search out some bad franchisees too. (laughs) Find a guy that's not successful. He'll tell you a lot of bad things, granted, but you'll also learn the pitfalls of not what or what not to do as well. I love that. Yeah. And I think for, for folks who are new to franchises listening to this, at a certain step in your due diligence process with any franchise, and I know this, I've worked with seven or eight different brands and you know, just it's a small industry. So I, I've been in touch with tons of other brands and you always get an opportunity as a buyer to speak to existing franchisees before you make a decision. And what Joe said is very true. For better or worse, that's what every brand does is they are very eager to provide you with the top performing franchisees. But it's up to you to really, like he said, do your homework, reach out to multiple levels of performing franchisees at the bottom, in the middle, at the top, and give yourself that well-rounded picture so that you kind of understand the potential outcomes for you. 
But look, Joe, this has been awesome. Um, I'm really glad I was able to get you on. I, I think it's a super awesome portfolio you've built, and I'm hoping you can uh, continue to expand your empire down there in Myrtle Beach. Um, is there anywhere, if you're online, that, that people can find you, or uh, you kind of keep off the grid? I'm off the grid for the most part. I, I do the Facebook thing. I, I dropped off of LinkedIn after getting hacked. Uh, I'm, I'm not <laughs> yeah, real active yeah. with that, but uh, I'm too busy flying air, my airplane and fishing right now. I, I don't want to be online much. I don't blame you, man. That, that sounds a lot better. All right. Well, hey, uh, appreciate you coming on, Joe, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Listen.